Christ. Amen. As we move a little bit closer to Christmas time, into the Advent season, probably a good thing to remind ourselves what Advent is all about. Advent comes from a Latin word, adveniri, which means to prepare. And so really from this Sunday forward all the way to Christmas Eve, we're in the process of preparing to celebrate again the wonderful gift of Jesus into this world. That's why each week we light one more candle to remind us of the love, the joy, the peace of Jesus as he comes into this world. Not too long ago, I was talking to a friend of mine who was telling me about all the really good things that were happening in his life. Uh, He had just received a sizable job promotion. He had sold some investment property for a profit. His twins were the top two students in their graduating class. And he went on to tell me about three or four more of the areas that were going pretty well for him. And then he began to laugh. And I said, what's so funny? He said, well, I guess I better get ready because something bad is bound to happen before too long. Kind of reminds me of the farmers in my first church who, I don't know if you know much about farmers, they pretty much complain about everything. Uh, But one Sunday morning I happened to catch Russ at the door and I said, Russ, good weather lately, crops looking good. He says, yep, pastor, they are, Um, but we'll pay for it. You know, many people live their lives as if that kind of lifestyle is true. They feel uncomfortable if they somehow experience too much success. They kind of look at life as scales where they've always got to be balanced out. And if things are on the upswing, if things are going really good, they're just kind of waiting because they know pretty soon bad stuff is going to happen and that pendulum is going to shift back and it's going to even the score. Now, the problem with that kind of thinking, and I would call that stinking thinking, is that we tend to live our lives in view or in terms of limitations. We believe that there's only so much joy that anybody deserves or can experience. We believe that we can only have so much love in a relationship or only so much mercy before we finally reach our limit and then we have to wait for something bad to Balance the scales. Now, I don't know if you've ever known anybody like that. I'm not just picking on ranchers or farmers, but there are a lot of people. I think as my grandpa used to say, look like they've been sucking a duck, which meant they had down, they were down in the mouth. You have to think about that one for a while. But you know, as we head into Advent, as we prepare for the birth of Jesus and everything that means to us, we see that Christmas is truly an incredible gift. In fact, when you think about it, it is Christmas that throws the scales of balance forever out of whack. And if we just allow ourselves to enjoy this gift of the season, to enjoy the gift of Christmas, and and this wonderful gift that God has given us in Jesus, we're going to experience life without limits. In fact, that's the title you see, the the gift of no limit living. Now, Jesus spoke a lot about living without limits. He was constantly challenging his listeners to stretch beyond their old ways, that stinking thinking, and, and somehow embrace a new way of living. 
And he promised his followers that if they would follow him and enjoy what he wanted to give them, that it would just be amazing. Now, I hunted out just a few of the promises of God. Just listen to some of these. John 10.10, I have come that they might have life and have it, what? Abundantly. You all know that passage. Okay, John 7.38, he who believes in me from his innermost being shall flow rivers of living water. Matthew 21.22, you know how this one ends. And all things you ask in prayer believing, you shall receive. John 8.32, you will know the truth, and the truth will what? Make you or set you free. John 8.12, he who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. I mean, those are just a few of the wonderful promises of what we get through our faith in Jesus Christ. See, Jesus has always promised the best for his followers. Uh, He never pretended, though, that life was going to be easy. Uh, But he gave his word that life with him would always be wonderful. He promised us what we might call life without limits. And because of Jesus, because of this wonderful gift of Christmas that we're, we're kind of tunnel visioning towards, we literally can have it all. Now, at Christmas time, you may look under a tree and say, I didn't get much, and I certainly hope you don't look at it that way. I hope that when you get to Christmas morning, that no matter what's under the tree or not, what's not under the tree, you can still say, hey, I got everything I needed, and his name is Jesus. Now, this morning, we're going to take a look at this passage of Scripture that Jimmy read to you before. It kind of teaches this principle of no limit living, and it's, I also call it no limit giving because God is going to give this to us so we can live correctly. Uh, and he uses a phrase here at the beginning that's kind of hard to ignore. If you go back to that text, it tells us that we have, I think, what you read before, Jimmy, was you've been, made, you've been enriched. In an older version, it says you have been made rich, made rich by Christ. And there are three different ways that you and I have literally been enriched or made rich. Now, we just need to kind of understand that, accept it, deal with it, and live that way. Here's the first one. You see it up there. We have been given unlimited resources. Again, going back to the text, verse 7. Therefore, you do not lack any spiritual gift as you eagerly wait for our Lord Jesus Christ to be revealed. Now, later on in this letter, if you read through all of 1 Corinthians, uh, Paul uh, discusses spiritual gifts in detail. The truth of the matter was he had to write this letter to the Corinthians because they were literally abusing some of these gifts, and, and Paul had to deal with them. But at this point in the letter, at the beginning, he is rejoicing with them that they have these spiritual gifts. And the reason he's so happy that they have them is because the gifts of the Spirit are signs of the presence of God. Now, later on in chapter 12, Paul said, Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. See, every person here this morning, every person here who is a genuine Christ follower has been given a spiritual gift. Now, some of you might go, "Uh, where is it? Well, maybe you haven't discovered it yet, and I'd love to be able to help you find out what that is. In fact, I'm going to go so far as to say that you all got more than one. You got more than one. That's because, what does it say? God makes available the unlimited resources of the gift of the Holy Spirit. We have been given every spiritual gift. We have been given everything we need. 
Now, if that's true, from Jason all the way back to Sam over here, that we all have these spiritual gifts, it also applies to churches as well. When a congregation, like First Lutheran Church, or you name any other church, dedicates itself to doing the work that God has called the church to do, they don't have to wonder if they have the right pastor. They don't have to wonder if they have the right leaders. They don't have to wonder whether they have the right staff. They don't have to wonder if they've got the right kind of people, because God has literally given them every spiritual gift that they'll ever need. That means that when the going gets tough, the tough can get going because they've got it. Let me give you a little bit of a sports um, analogy, since I like sports. Uh, if you're a baseball fan like I am, maybe and I've been a Dodger fan off and on for many years, even back to the days there in Brooklyn, but some of you may remember the 1988 World Series. And in game one, the Dodgers were playing the Oakland A's. Now, the Dodgers' power hitter was Kirk Gibson, but he had spent the entire night on the bench because he had a severe knee injury. But it got to be the bottom of the ninth. There were two outs. The Dodgers were trailing 5-3, to three, and they had a runner on base. And Gibson, for several innings, had been begging the manager, Tommy Lasorda, to let him pinch hit. And finally, in the bottom of the ninth, two outs, one on, he lets Gibson bat. Well, those of you like me who watched this, watched Gibson literally limp to home plate, and the next thing you know, he was down 0-2, two strikes. But the next pitch, he hit out of the ballpark. And some of you remember that, him going around the bases like that. I mean, he barely, on one leg, ran around the bases. It was arguably one of the most exciting uh, events in a, in a World, World Series history. Now, he was unable to play the rest of that series, but when the Dodgers had to have a home run, he somehow found the strength to sidestep his physical limitations. Now, you're probably wondering what's that got to do with this first point. Well, here it comes. Uh, this kind of clutch hit does not happen every day in baseball. There's a lot of guys who go up like that who strike out on three straight pitches. But we need to realize that as far as our spiritual life is concerned... We can get a clutch hit every time. We're going to get the clutch hit every day. Whatever we need, God says, I make it available to you through my unlimited resources. It's like, what do you need today? Do you need wisdom? Man, I've got wisdom I want to give you. You need knowledge? I can pour knowledge out upon you. Uh, do you need courage? I can give you mercy. I can give you compassion. I can, I can hand over all of these spiritual gifts it's yours when you need it. Now, when Paul says you have been blessed with every spiritual gift, I think what he's saying is that God gives us the ability, kind of like Kurt Gibson, to rise to the occasion when the situation demands. You may never know what spiritual gift you actually have until you're put into that situation. Now, remember the saying, it says that where God guides... He provides. See, when God calls us to a task, He also equips us to do it. It probably goes without saying that I might have the spiritual gift of teaching or preaching. Okay? I would have never, this may come as a surprise to you, I would have never, ever asked for that gift. I would much prefer working behind the scenes. 
If somebody said, do you ever want to be in a position where you're out front and you're doing all the speaking and all the preaching and all the teaching, I probably would have said, no thanks, can I have something else? But see, when God calls you into a position of a teacher, when that, that hand is on you, you know, where your whole life you just feel as if God is always there gently nudging, nudging you to be a teacher or gently nudging you to be a preacher, guess what? He gives you the gifts that you need in order to do the job effectively. If he calls you into leadership, he'll give you those leadership gifts. If he calls you into service, he gives you those, those service gifts. I mean, I, I jokingly kid sometimes about some people that if you look up their name in the dictionary, look up the word uh, servant in the dictionary, that person's picture would be right there. Or if you want to look up the word hospitality, that person's picture would be right there because God has given that gift to them for a special purpose. See, whatever we need to do, we can do. Because very simply, God's resources are available to us to do it. Now, here's the second principle of no limit living or giving, and that's this, that we've been given unlimited strength. Verse 8 in our text says, He will keep you strong to the end so that you will be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, there are some Christians who believe that once a person is saved, they will always be saved. There's a group of people who believe that. Once saved, always saved. There's another group of people who believe that you can be saved but but somehow lose your salvation. I'm going to tell you that great Christians down through history uh, haven't always agreed on this. And neither do great Christian leaders today agree on these two principles. That's kind of frustrating, really, because a convincing argument could be made from Scripture to defend both positions. Although when I said that one time, a guy came up to me afterwards and he said, well, you can only defend your position if you misquote the Scripture that supports your view. But... Let's just leave it at that. Once saved, always saved. You know, once saved can lose yourself. The problem with that argument, we spend too much time arguing this doctrine. We miss the central point of the Christian life. The point is not how much sin can I get away with before and still be a Christian. That's not the point. The point is that Jesus can actually keep us strong and faithful to the end. I mean, most of us are more than aware of our ability to fall. We're more aware of that ability than we are aware of the fact of God's ability to keep us strong. See, the lack of faith in God's strength is what prevents many people from doing more with their lives. I mean, you answer these questions. What causes people who are in poor physical condition to stay that way? It's the belief that says I can't permanently change my eating habits or cut junk food out of my diet. Um, I can't permanently change my exercise habits. I mean, they've probably tried in the past, but they don't have strength to keep it going. I saw a sign in a restaurant the other day that said I've been on a diet uh, now for two weeks. The only thing I've lost is 14 days. What prevents most alcoholics from getting sober? What prevents uh, smokers from kicking the habit? What keeps people from starting a daily devotion or getting involved in a Bible study of some kind? I think it's the fear that 
they're just afraid they won't be able to stick with it. They, they, they know they can get started. They just don't believe they can keep it going. I learned from a friend a number of years ago, uh, he'd quit smoking, and, and I asked him how he did it. And he said, you know, I always believed that I never had enough strength to quit smoking. He said, then, it, then one morning it, it just suddenly dawned on me that at some time every day I did quit smoking. I mean, I could go several hours without smoking a cigarette. I mean, when I was at work or when I was at church or when I was mowing the lawn, so I just decided to stretch the time between cigarettes. He said it kind of went from hours to days to weeks to months. He says now it's been years. See, whatever strength we need is available when we need it. I mean, that's why Jesus came into this world. Uh, He lived for us. He died for us. And as a result, we can experience his unlimited strength. He's promised that to us. That's the assurance we all need to hang in there until the end. Now, there's a third principle here, and it's this. We have been given unlimited access. Verse 9. God, who has called you into fellowship with his Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, is faithful. One of my favorite musicians of all time uh, was Harry Chapin. Uh, Our family really liked his music. I think we went to several of his concerts. Uh, But there was a song that Harry Chapin made very popular that I always kind of gives me a little twinge when I hear it. It's called Cats in the Cradle. And some of you know that song. Sadly, they often play that around Father's Day. I think to make fathers feel worse. Uh, but one verse in Cats in the Cradle goes this way. My boy turned 10 just the other day. He said, thanks for the ball, Dad. Come on, let's play. Can you teach me to throw? I said, not today. I got lots to do. He said, that's okay. Now, there are a lot of people in this world, no doubt, that can relate to a father like that. The father is very busy. The father is very stressed. He's involved in his own problems. He's basically kind of unavailable. It's not that this is a deadbeat dad at all because he's provided for his family all of the material things, but he has not been available emotionally. And most of all, he's just not very approachable. You can't pin him down and sit with him and do things with him. Now, there are a lot of people who have that same view of God, that God is somehow distant. I mean, there's a popular song of a few years ago about God who is out there, somewhere out there. I mean, what a garbage song that was. And that God is somehow aloof, that God isn't interested in us, that God is cold and hard-hearted. Now, I'm here to remind you today that Jesus has done everything possible that he can do to destroy that image. I mean, in the prodigal son, Jesus tells a story about a father who's heartbroken over the fact that his son, you know, mouthed off to him, took the inheritance, told his dad to drop dead and skip town. But And this is a dad who joyfully, not grudging like, well, about the time you got home. No, he was happy. He ran out to get him. He restored his son when he came back home. See, Jesus, that's what Christmas is all about. He comes and he says, friends, let me tell you about my father. My father who loved you guys so much that he was willing to let me go to a cross and die for you. I mean, Jesus assures us that God, our father, is a loving God, that he's a forgiving God, 
that he is a father who has no other desire than to give good gifts to his children. But see, most of all, I think what Jesus teaches us and what he reminds us of is that God is approachable. He's not a God that we have to wait in line to see. How many of you ever called for technical support for anything? Yeah, what a disaster that is. You dial the number, and then you've got 16 choices of what you want. By the time you get to 16, you can't... It's like, now which one was the one I called for? And when you get that, there are like four more choices. Then it's like, you know, hablo espanol, or uh, you want it in Chinese or Arabian or whatever. And by the time you get to the end, you almost forgot why you called. And then they, everybody wants to know what number you're calling for, even though you've given that number three times, and they want the last four digits of your Social Security number, even though you told them four times, and then you finally get to a technician who doesn't speak your language. I think there are some people who honestly think that's the way God is. That God, you know, you dial heaven, 1-800-HEAVEN, and it's like, you know, press one for English, press two for Spanish, press three for Russian, press four for Kazakh, press five for Cajun. You know, go on and on and on. You know, but, but God is not a God you have to wait in line to see. You ever go to a store and have to take that number? Oh, wow, I got number three. And the next number you hear is 42, number 42. You know, how many numbers are in there? Now, it's not that way with God. We have instant access with God. How do we have instant access with God? It's through Jesus Christ. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Through Jesus, we've got instant access to what? Unlimited resources. Unlimited strength. See, when Jesus came into this world 2,000 some years ago... One of the gifts he brought to us was this gift of no-limit living. He removed all of the limitations that held us back, and now we have unlimited resources of the gift of the Holy Spirit. We've got unlimited strength in our lives, and we have unlimited access to his presence. Now, the question is, what does that mean for us? Or maybe I should put this way, what does this mean for you? Maybe I could use this comparison. Much like a silent partner in business, uh, there's someone in the background who's always making sure that things are taken care of. When the business needs extra cash, the working partner uh, goes to the silent partner because the silent partner has a vested interest in seeing the business succeed. To a certain extent, our relationship with God is kind of like that of a silent partner. He's always there for us. You know, when people say, I finally found God, I have often asked people, I didn't even know he was lost. You know, you never find God. I mean, God is always there. He's a silent partner. He's always there for us. He has a vested interest in in seeing that our lives work. And because he has that vested interest in seeing to it that our lives work, what does he do? He gives us all that we need, whenever we need it, to do what he's called us to do. And through that wonderful living presence in our lives, that's how you and I experience no-limit living, or what we would call no-limit giving as well. 
Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks. Just here in the Thanksgiving season, the Advent season, just we cannot say thank you enough. Like your word says, every good and perfect gift comes down from above. You have blessed us with so much, and even as we have learned this morning from this scripture reading, we have unlimited resources, the power of the Spirit living in our lives. We have unlimited strength, and we have unlimited access to you. Lord, constantly keep that in the forefront of our minds, knowing that indeed, you know, as the word says, all things are possible for those who believe. Thank you for the wonderful gift of Jesus Christ in our life, for it's in his name we pray. Amen.